over in the Old Testament, you have a book called Nehemiah, and he's mentioned here under the introduction. And in your Old Testament, it First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. So it's, and I want you, to, if you will, turn to the fourth chapter. Because this is a chapter that uh, describes a working group of people after they had been in bondage for 70 years and God was bringing them back to Jerusalem. After Jerusalem, the temple was destroyed after the walls were torn down, after that there had been a lot of rubbish and waste. Uh, displayed there in that area for 70 years. Then God sends Nehemiah, a cup barrier of the king over in foreign country, back to uh, help to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And <clears throat> the theme this evening is challenges, challenges. I want to sort of set the mind and set your mind to the uh, the theme that we need challenges for 19 and 97. Always need challenges uh, for the people of God in any age, um, and we need to recognize that. And you relate Nehemiah and how nothing stopped him from successfully meeting his challenge before his enemies. We can just sort of turn to that fourth chapter and just sort of read together, <clears throat> get the tone of this. It came to pass, Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, first verse, that when Sabatli uh, heard that we built the walls, he was wroth or he was angry, we would say today, and took great indignation. And, and mocked the Jews. So here's uh, Nehemiah comes back and is doing what God has asked him to do. And here's the enemy that's mocking him and, uh, and uh, making fun of them. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews? What are they doing, it say today? What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? And he has build walls around them in order to protect them, and, and are they going to conquer us? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in the day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of, their, of the rubbish which are burned? In other words, do they have a purpose for this? What are they doing? And Tobiah, the Ammonite, was by him when this other ruler was saying that. And he said, well, even that which they build, if a fox would go up on it, well, he said, uh, it shall break it down. And uh, they're stone walls. So uh, he was ridiculing them and saying they couldn't rebuild the walls. They didn't know how to erect a wall that would protect them. Hear our God, for we are despised. This is the thought from the part of the Jews. 
and turn their reproach upon their own heads and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Now, he just signed, make these enemies certainly food for us and, uh, and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. And what a wonderful compliment. And if we're going to meet the challenges of the, the remainder of this year and of next year and of the years to come, we have to have a mind to work. A mind to work. But it came to pass that when uh, like and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdod heard the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very angry again. They were wroth, and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Now the challenge, when we're in a good work and when we have a mind to work, there's always going to be someone to work against us. And it may be people that are near us and dear, us, dear to us. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God in the side of the opposition, in the light of the opposition, in the very environment of the opposition. Uh, they made prayer and set a watch against them day and night because of them. Now, they didn't just do it in the daytime. They did it at night, too. So for the Christian who wants to work for God and do the thing that's right, and for anyone who wants to live for God, for Christ, for the Holy Spirit, for the God that we worship, he has to do it 24 hours a day. And Judah said, The strength of the bearer of the burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build a wall. And our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. In other words, they were determined that they were going to make it just as difficult as they possibly could. And they were discouraging them and say, You don't have enough material to work with anyway. And all of this rubbish, you'll never get this done. It came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places when she shall return unto us, they will be upon you. You just can't do it. Doesn't matter where you turn, we're going to keep you from it. And that's the opposition. But that's just a challenge to a Christian. Therefore, set I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places, and even set the people after their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Now, here is a key verse. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. He's awesome. He's awesome. And fight for you, your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. Now, this is the same thing we did in, in World War II and in other, other conflicts that we've had. And this is what people have endeavored to get people. I remember in World War II, 
soon as Pearl Harbor was bombed, I would say, remember Pearl Harbor. Well, I'm a native Texan, and I remember the story that goes to the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. So you remember the sacrifice that people make and what they will make, and it motivates us. And when you have God on your side, side, you don't have to worry about the opposition. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to nothing. God was working, and when you have God working against the enemy, he has to be on the run. He has to be utterly decreasing in strength and in opposition, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. Now, that's when a person realizes that God, what God can do, that God is working with you, that's when you can get in and work. And that's what they did. And to meet our challenges, that's what we need to do. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, they worked in the work, and the other half of them held the spears. There's one half fighting, and there were other half working. One half had the spears and the shields and the bows and, and the uh, bayonets. That's what that next word is. And the rulers were behind all the houses of, Ju of Judah. In other words, everybody boosted them. They were all behind each other. They were all supporting each other. And we need, to, we need to understand that, and we need to know that God has demanded that of his people. When he's with us, we need to be for each other, and we need to be behind each other. They which builded on the wall, and they that were uh, that uh, bear uh, burdens, with those that laden, everyone with one of his hand wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. They not only had a group of them fighting and a group of them not fighting, but they had some that was fighting and working at the same time. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side and so builded, and he that sounded the trumpet was by me. In other words, when they sounded the trumpet, they quit uh, uh, building and they started shooting and they started fighting. And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and the rest of the people, the work is great and large. See, he's a booster. The, the work is great. It's large. It's a big, and we need to think big. It's a worthwhile project. And we're separated upon the wall, one from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, and resort ye there unto us? Our God shall fight for us. Now, what we've got to do, we've just got to let the enemy know that when he comes, that we have God working with us, and, and he'll be taken care of. And just let God work through you. Let God help you. That's what's at Nehemiah, and this is what he's trying to get over. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Well, they didn't even take off their clothes except to wash them. They just stayed on the job all the time. They stayed with it. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. They had a mind to work. Where there's a will, there's a what? We want to do a thing? It can be done. So neither I nor my brethren 
nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off his clothes, saving that every one of them off for just washing. And then they'd put them right back on. Now look at your outline. <clears throat> we got to relate to Nehemiah and the great work that they did that nothing stopped him from successfully meeting his challenge. And his enemies, they didn't uh, mount anything when God's uh, helping a person. They mocked him. They warred with him. They compromised. They wanted him to compromise. And, and uh, they did none of these things. And uh, three things are important in regard to being uh, uh, challenged here and meeting this challenge. It must be a challenge. If it isn't a challenge, it isn't, it isn't enough to motivate us to, to get out of our shell and get out and get our, our energies worked up. So a lot of time we count a challenge that is detrimental and it should be advantageous to every one of us. And it must be a good challenge. It must be, have a good purpose. And there's no greater purpose than to build a house for the Lord and for the Lord's people. And that's what they were doing. And it must be done. It must not be dreamed and planned and never carried out. Now, when we look at our challenge, many have, have we have large congregations. There's a lot of large congregations in the world today. But if the congregation is not challenged, a lot of times and nothing is done, and people are not put to work, well, then people lose interest, and it goes down. Now, that's not the case a lot of time. When it goes down, a lot of people, they just pass on to another world, and a lot of times our members die, and then a lot of people time they move out. And uh, a lot of time uh, we fail to meet the challenge and teach people and bring new people in. But we need to understand that that in order to grow, we need to meet the challenge and we need to present challenges to our people. But Jesus, greatest leader of mankind uh, here today, and, uh, and we ought not to think about that we're going to be a congregation and not be challenged. We're just going to be, we're just going to be challenged. I want you to turn to John, the Gospel according to John, and let's just read this uh, 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 together. In the 15th chapter, and 1 through 6, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right in the front of your New Testament, and go to John, the 15th chapter, and uh, look at that uh, 1, through, 1 through 6. He said, I am the vine. I am the vine. Now, we have a challenge. Here is the vine, and the father is the person who is over the vine and is the husbandman, and, and he owns it, and he's the ruler, and he is the one who's instigated everything. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Now that's when you meet the challenge. When we meet the challenge of, of sharing the gospel with people, we are, are bearing fruit and we're preparing ourselves to be more skilled, that it may bring forth more fruit. 
Every time you bring a person to Christ and teach a person about Christ, Son of God, you're just that much more skilled to teach another one. And you'll never find two people alike. Now, you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now, there's no reason for us to go to any other power or any other message than the gospel of Christ. Peter said, we preach the gospel which is by the gospel we preach by the word we preach the gospel unto you. And it's the word of God that never passes away. It, it'll live forever. And, and Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is revealed the righteousness of God, from faith unto faith, from the faith of a person who has it to the faith that a person who hears it and believes it and obeys it. And that's the way it works. That's the reason he said you've got to take the message. You've got to take the message. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Number four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine, so more can ye except you abide in me. Now that just means when we have a challenge like old Nehemiah had, we have a challenge today to share the gospel people. It's because we haven't taken on the battle by ourselves, but we have God and his message and his word within us, and we're sharing with people, and we know it's going to bring forth after its kind. We don't have any doubt that people are going to believe it. If they don't believe it, that's their problem and not ours. Now, we need to keep the right attitude about it. We need to have confidence in the word. But you just got to abide in him, and the people we teach, we've got to let them know that this is for the purpose of their receiving Jesus and God and Christ and the Holy Spirit and being a part of the eternal kingdom of God. Number five, I am the vine and you are the branches. Now this is what Jesus is saying. I'm the vine and you are the branches. My father's the husbandman. I'm the vine and you are the branches. We have work to do. We should have a mind to work. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Now, as God worked through them when they were building those walls, and they told the enemy, they said, well, we have God here, and we're doing it through God. And, and Nehemiah said, well, you just go on up there, and you keep your sword in one hand, and you keep your tool to build this wall in the other, and you just know that God will fight for you. We have the same thing happening to us today. The only thing, we just need to have faith in this. For he, the same, bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now, if we don't have God with us, if we don't have faith in his word, if we don't believe that he came from God, put on flesh, and that he gave us the words of salvation, and we can share them with every creature, then we're not having the faith that we should. And that has to abide with you. You have to have that conviction at all times. Now, look at number six. If a man abide not in me, now if you go out and try to teach somebody about Christ, you don't believe that he was a son of God, and you don't believe that he's alive, you don't believe that he's in a person who believes in him, even though you, you heard the, the message say that he's at the right hand of God, if you think he's up there letting the world uh, run down, then you don't have faith. You've got to believe that he's with you. If a man abide not in me, if you go out to fight that battle of righteousness and peace and love, to people and you forget that's Christ and it's through him and his power, then you're, you're disobeying that, that sixth verse. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. That's the reason we're not successful. 
and his wood withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, maybe a lot of time we're not meeting the challenge because that's happened to us. The greatest challenge, though, the greatest leader in all the world is Jesus Christ, and he offers himself to us. And there's not a greater challenge than, the, than, than the, that to let people, that God and Christ work in us. Look at uh, uh, the Matthew, the 16th chapter and verse 24. This is a time, you remember, uh, just before he went up on the mountain was transfigured before them. But this is a time that he asked them, who do men say that I son of man am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're one of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But said, uh, uh, John the Baptist raised from the dead, but said, well, who do you say I am? Peter said, well, I know that you're, you're the Son of God. And he said, blessed art thy son, for flesh and blood is not revealed then, but my Father has revealed this unto you. Now look at the number 24. And he told him, uh, he said, I'm going to die. I'm going to be delivered up. Scribes, the Pharisees, we crucified him, we raised from the dead. Peter said, that's not going to happen to you. Look at that 23rd verse. But he returned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Lord, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So there has to be a challenge. The challenge was for Christ to put off his flesh because of sin, that he could take the sin of every individual upon his own back and save them. He was a sacrifice for the sins of every creature that ever lived, from Adam on down to the end of time. Now look at the challenge, number 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man, here's the challenge, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever saves his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now that just simply means that to meet the challenge today, we've got to do something. Now, the challenge came in this form in Mark 16, 15, 16. And you can turn to that if you want to, because it's the last words that Jesus ever said on this uh, before he came back with John in Revelation, but it's a lot before he sent it to the Father. They were gathered together, and he said, uh, all power is given unto him in heaven and on earth. And he said, you go preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And he said, you go preach the gospel to every creature. That's a challenge. A lot of people don't believe that today. It's so simple. All a man has to do is believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be baptized. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. If you have any problem with that, you have a problem with Jesus. You have a problem with Jesus' last words. You have a problem with Jesus' challenge, not my challenge. It's Jesus' challenge. And in uh, this Revelation, the second and third chapter, uh, there were seven churches addressed there. And this is 60 years after Jesus had gone back to the Father and was at the right hand of God. 
And he challenged every one of those churches to walk and to work for him. In Ephesus, the first that he addressed, and they had left their first love. On down to the last one, the seventh one, and they were lukewarm. It just made him want to vomit. He said, it makes you want to spew me, you out of my mouth. But he still said, you still have a challenge. Still have a challenge to hear. And he said, if any man has an ear, let him hear what I'm saying to the churches. And the churches is to work, to meet the challenge. The challenge to that uh, uh, Laodicean church was, I just stand, I stand right here available. All you've got to do is open the door. Now I'll come in with you, and you can come in with me. There's a challenge. Now look at number two. There must be a good challenge. Now, what I mentioned is there couldn't be a better challenge than what we've gone over that Jesus has offered us. It's not enough just to be challenged. We must be challenged for the right purpose, you know. And we must, uh, example there, I've got down uh, men breaking a zebra to, to plow. Well, why would you want to do that? I mean, here's a wild animal that wastes your time and all of that, but here's a good purpose. Man is, 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 is not a wild person that can't be tamed. He is just a human being that, he, that the devil deceived, and he sent him the gospel that he can uh, certainly obey it and believe it and come back. Well, you might have another challenge that might come and say, well, I'm just going to... I'm just going to see how long I can go without eating food. Well, that doesn't have any purpose, does it? But the challenge that Jesus has offered us is that we're lost humanity, paid for our salvation, and our sins have been paid for, and all we have to do is, is come to the greatest and the most noble challenge in all the world is to be a God. Do away with our human feature and just be crucified with Christ and just let Christ live in us and become a God, a son of God. I'm not using his sacrilegiously. A son of God. We're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Just as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You become sons of God. That's the greatest challenge that's ever been given to lost humanity. The greatest challenges are spiritual. Extending into eternity. Let me tell you, brethren, what we have today in dealing with the church is more precious than gold and silver. There's not anything that we do during the week that's as important as worshiping God and singing praises and listening to a sermon like this right here coming out of God's Word. That's the greatest thing that you could ever do. And when people get out of their lazy, indifferent stage of mind, and get with it and just remember passages like Romans, I mean, Hebrews 10, 25. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, but so much the more as you see the day approaching, just come together and exhort and help one another. See, earthly challenges are going to pass away at death. All like people like to get in computers, and that's great. And all of the fancy things that we have today that uh, we can communicate and all, and that's great that they know that. But let me tell you, the greatest challenge that man has today is to intermingle with the God that died for us and has given us 
the message of salvation to the lost and to the dying world. And he did it by giving us a one-on-one -on -one command. Go to every creature. Jesus taught. And what, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? There's not anything worth more than a soul. So then, this challenge must be carried out. Elders can make the greatest challenges. And we can do like I'm doing tonight, preach. But I'll tell you, if we don't carry it out, we can be a failure. It doesn't do any good for me to get up here and to say what I'm saying tonight if we don't carry it out. If we don't get enthusiastic about it and we don't do some things, some one and two, to really share the message with others. There are three things that I'd just like to mention. In 19 and, and, and 97, uh, and one of them is challenge number one is to be faithful. And you know, that's not very difficult, is it? To be faithful. Are you faithful to the church? You know, uh, even if you put up a front, let me just say, are you faithful to the church? Be honest about it. Well, we have a little meeting before our services here. Some of us do. It's interested in Some people are not interested. Some don't want to come. I don't know whether they don't want to come because they don't want to look like they're helping out or something. Or I don't know. It doesn't matter. But we try to call people that's not coming. And, you know, we people have all kinds of excuses because they weren't here. Well, we have to be friendly and we have to be understanding. We can't hurt their feelings. We just have to let them know that we miss them. And if they've missed some service, and when you miss a service, you miss something about God's challenge that you'll never make up. You'll never make it up. Do you participate in the work of the church? And did you do it? Have you done it in 96? Or have you given a lot of excuses? Number four, did you fail to visit either or on or off of a team? Brian James 127 said, talks about visiting the fatherless and the widows and their afflictions and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, that visitation doesn't just mean to say, well, how are you, Sister Jones, or, or so-and-so, or you doing all right? It means to minister to them. And we have a lot of hurting people. We have a lot of people. We have a senior citizen congregation here. Well, there's so many of them sick now that we, we'd have as many as we have here are the ones that's just sick right now. And some of them are not that old, but some of them are. And they need a lot of encouragement. And they need a lot of uh, calls. And, and they need a lot of people knowing that we care and that we wonder. I call some of them. I'd say, well, how's things going? How, how's things been going this week? You know, well... Well, I had to go to the doctor, like, and they do this, and first thing you know, they'll tell you all the, the things, and, and you can see, well, you can help them some way. Do you refuse responsibility when work was announced? Well, you can answer that question. Uh, I challenge you to be faithful in 1997, and, and you develop a reputation of faithfulness or unfaithfulness. And it's up to each one of us within yourself, within the congregation, and with God. And let me tell you, it's with God 
more than it is with the congregation or with the individuals. It doesn't matter what I think or what others think. But I'll tell you, when you think real closely, I'd hate to... I think a person, if a person really thinks about that he's responsible to God, I think it'll make him be more faithful than anything. So that's number one challenge, is, is to be faithful. Number two is to be more interested in lost souls. And you look for ways to share uh, the Christ. You know what they did after they stoned old Stephens? Well, they got so, they got so ripped up and so excited about what, what they saw there that day, Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and, and that Christian that was stoned, they heard him say, Jesus, receive thy spirit. And they said, boy, that's what we want to do. We want to go to heaven. We want to share this with everybody. And they just scattered. They began to preach that. They got the challenge. And I'll tell you, if we get the challenge, we'll do the same thing. We need, we need to support, we need to give, and we need to pray, and we need to write letters, and we need to send cards. We need to talk to, to uh, and invite friends to worship. We need to use the telephone to encourage weak brethren. We need to use tracts or any other means, or just study with somebody, the open Bible. Look for special studies. We've got all kinds of film strip uh, um, charts and billboards and things here to teach people. But boy, you move people, you move, you move people, brethren, and get them stirred up. And maybe we can get it done. Millions have given up on religion because of the doctrine of men and the ne negligence of men, rather than because of it. See? <clears throat> well, the third one is we need to be good stewards we need to, 1 Corinthians 4, uh, maybe we ought to just read that as we close here in this last point. Uh, 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And uh, he has a lot in the Corinthian letter about uh, stewardship. And I think we need to get uh, the message there. He said, let every man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. You talk about a challenge. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Most discouraging thing is to think about if a preacher preaches on giving or for people to sacrifice, people say, oh, I hear someone uh, preaching on giving. And the people will have money and stocks and bonds. And they're going to have to pay the government. They don't even have a, a, a trust. They're going to have to pay the government a lot of money. And if they have a trust, they could even give that to the Lord or give it to their ch children a lot more. And they won't even plan that. Boy, we're sloppy stewards for our own purposes, not to withstand God. People don't even want to talk about their money. They're so greedy with it. We need to understand that all the cattle on a thousand hills and all the silver and all the gold belongs to God. We really own nothing. We're just using it for God. Believe that many don't understand stewardship. And possibly we preachers 
and elders ought to take the blame. Because we've been timid Timothys that were that just didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And what a shame that is. It's not like Jesus, because Jesus said, Given it shall be given unto you. Press down, shake it together, shall be run over into your bosom. He knew there's no way you could outgive him when a person's sincere. You know? We think about one, five, and ten dollars, and so forth, we think that's a lot of money. Some people, some people, some some people that are on uh, Social Security uh, don't even start at ten percent. And some of them do. Women, I'll have to give you credit for it. Most women, uh, they're good givers because they believe they don't they don't trust anybody but God. They know how He takes care of them. But you know, they look at a five and ten dollar bill and it looks like a wagon sheet. You might not know what that is, but I was reared on the farm and we had wagon sheets that we covered up their cotton. And uh, it's like a painting cloth or something. Well, God had 1,500 years that he had people give a tenth. And he had 2,000 years before that with old Abraham, and he gave a tenth. And before that it was old Melchizedek, and he gave a tenth. And we think it's a denominational doctrine when you teach a tenth. That's how unlearned we are. Now, I don't bind it, and I don't teach that it has to be bound. I just say God used it for at least 1,500 years and 2,000 before that, because that's what they did. And he said, the tithe belongs unto God. Bring in the whole tithe, and just prove me. Just, just see if I will pour you out blessing from heaven that you can't receive it. That's God talking. And some people down in the 20th century... Well, say, uh, talk about giving. Therefore, there's a challenge. You purpose from the heart, 2 Corinthians 9 and 17. He said, you don't do it because of, not grudgingly. You, you, you do it cheerfully. Now, he, didn't set, he didn't set a tent, but he set a tent for the history of dealing with people. And Jesus said, if you're righteous that exceed the righteousness of Christ and Pharisees, you're, you're a goner. You're a goner. Sacrifice by ra raising your, what you give to the Lord. You'll never lose anything. And I want to tell you, if you will give 52 days in a year, people just miss. And some people miss. And, and you can tell the people who are sincere, when they miss, they make up their contribution. And we say, what are you doing? You act like a denomination. You're, you're going to assess me? No, we don't assess anybody. It's just God teaching. God's teaching that you give as you prosper. And you prosper every week. So you just give as you prosper. That just shows your faithfulness. That's just a challenge. You can't have to give God. If you give it to Him, He'll see that it comes back. He that... Supplies bread for food and seed for the sowing is able to supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the fruits of your right. That's in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And give as you have been prospered and follow Christ's rule. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things shall be added to you. The lesson is yours. There's three challenges here. Be faithful. Be interested in souls. Be a good steward. God's going to bless us. If you're here and you're not a Christian, now what we would ask you to do tonight, 
Uh, we haven't gone into that and shown how that is taught uh, in the Word, but uh, Jesus teaches us by the examples of people being converted. The way they were in the first century, they believed that Christ was a son of the living God, that he came from God, that he existed from the beginning, and that he came and took on flesh, and that we killed him. And we thought we, the devil thought he had won a victory, but he was the prince of life. He don't kill the prince of life. He was raised the third day, and he's told us that that's the good news, to release us from the bondage of sin. And the way we obey that, you don't join a church, that's denominational phrasing, but you just believe that, and that's the good news, and you obey the good news, the gospel. And you die to your sins, you die to yourself, and you're buried with him in a watery grave. Water makes up the biggest part of the earth and the biggest part of our body. It's a cleansing symbol. But it's the blood of Christ that cleanses you. But you reach it in his... And that's the reason in Romans 6 he said, No, you're not. So many of us have been baptized in Christ, have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism and the death that, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in a new life. And that's the way, that's the way you obey the gospel. You know, you wouldn't have to hear another sermon. If you just believe that and you say, I believe Jesus Christ, Son of God, and I want to be baptized for remission of sins and to put on Christ, I want to take him with me tonight. You could do it. We have the Baptistry ready, we have clothes ready. We take your confession. That's the way you become a member of the church of the Lord, the saved group. It's not a denomination. It doesn't have a name. Now we call it Christ Church, and the Bible calls it Christ Church, but it's just the saved. It's just the saved, it's the saints, it's the brethren. See. And if you want to denominationalize it and you put a human name on it, then you'd, you'd, you'd have something the Bible didn't have. The church is just the saved of Christ. It's like a bride and a groom. And Christ is the groom and we're the bride. And he bought, buys us by his blood. And that's the way you can become a member even tonight. And that's what we preach. That's what Paul preached. That's what Peter preached. And we preach it and we ask you to come and to obey the gospel and become a member of the Lord's church. You won't miss, miss the right church because he'll add you to it. That's what he did in the New Testament. When you believe and when you repent and you're baptized as we stand together and say.